Hey guys, it's Connor McDavid here, and you're listening to Brad and Avery Hour. Hey, what's going on? This is Master G coming your way. And is there an hour you need to lock into? Yes, it's the Brad and Avery Hour, the only hour you need to lock into. What is up? What is up? Episode 33 of the Brad and Avery Hour, and you might ask, well, why are we staring up Brad's nose? <laughs> and why is Avery so close? Well, we made a boomerang. We're allowed to make mistakes. Uh, we forgot our actual camera. For the show, so that's why we're we're doing it like this uh, this week. So bear with us, Avery's right here. Yes, I am. And uh, we're gonna do a unique unique episode. Yes, we will. And you know what? First of all, Brad, I got a gripe to get off my chest. Here at Holly's and Westington Mall, people who walk in the mall, stop cutting your boy off. Mall walkers irritate me, Brad. This time of year during Christmas season, they irritate me, son. You know what I do? Being in the wheelchair and all, I just run them over. Wow. They don't matter. <laughs> I stick my feet out and it's game over. That, Mall walkers get the hell out of my way. It's that is savage. That. That's very savage, Brad. You do that to the people. But yes, we got a jam-packed show for you today. We're talking Empty World Road Trip. We're talking NFL. We're talking NBA. So I guess we start off with the fact that the Oilers, after beating Philadelphia, go to Vancouver and lay a massive goose egg 42 against Canucks at Rogers Arena. Yeah, you know they they didn't look uh, they didn't look all that great. Um, defense obviously struggled. Um, Koskinen looked okay. Uh, he made key, obviously key saves when he needed to. Uh, there were there was some stuff there that's still uh, still kind of edgy. Uh, I think we'll see him tomorrow as well in St. Louis or against St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is kind of a rebound redemption game for him, unless Hitch decides to go the Cam Talbot route. Uh, maybe showcase Cam Talbot a little bit, uh, a little bit better, and then uh, go from there. So I, I'm not really sure. No, we'll see about that. But I, you know what the thing is with Kostya is that he hasn't lost home yet. The man is still unbeaten at home. That's the one thing going for him right now. As you know what, I'll say it again. I gotta apologize because I thought Nico Kostya coming in was one of the bigger mistakes of the season, but he's proved me wrong most definitely, Brad. Yeah, I got seven and zero, man, and. And he's, he's been absolutely lights out and looks like a bargain for two and a half, uh, two and a half million. Um, what I think is going to happen here is we're going to see some movement. And we're, we're going to see some movement, uh, probably not now. Um, I'm thinking later January, maybe even early February, we could see the movement at Camp Talbot. Um, this being, there's lots, of, there's lots of swirling going around St. Louis. I was just swirling around Philadelphia and Chicago as well. Now, especially with Corey Crawford on the shelf, um, could be an interesting couple months here in Edmonton. And, and don't be surprised. And I, we, we've said this before. They passed on him once before. But the name and a local kid, Colton Pareko, um, has been linked to the Edmonton Oilers for quite a while now. And I wouldn't be surprised if this finally gets done. He ends up back home, St. Albert Kent. He grew up in St. Albert uh, in an Oilers uniform for the foreseeable future. And for me, look, for me, this is not a defense for a defense swap. For me, it breaks down like this. Colton Branco to the Edmonton Oilers for Cam Talbot, Yessi Pugliavi, and a draft pick. Now, I'll tell you, now, Cam Talbot's interesting. I'll tell you why Cam Talbot. These singles blues are in desperate, desperate, desperate need of a goaltender. Yes, they are. Um, 
Obviously, that's not just going to get it done. You need to throw in some young talent. I think Jesse Poliarvi is a perfect, intriguing piece for St. Louis. Maybe they can get him going. Maybe he's a, a second-line winger there in St. Louis, especially on a struggling team. And, of course, a draft pick goes the other way. And and for Edmonton, it really gives him a bona fide top-pairing guy alongside Kletbaum when he's healthy. And for the foreseeable future, Donald Nurse. Um, this is a great pairing. The guy's an absolute animal, an absolute beast. Um, you can call him I, one half of the Twin Towers, <laughs> Mr. Pareko. And I, I would love, I think Miko Koskinen would love a guy like that in front of him that moves a puck. Uh, very physical presence, very physical young man. And you got to think the Oilers are going to have this guy under control for the next five seasons. I think it makes uh, him very appealing. And uh, a very smart move, I think, especially from a guy like Peter Sorelli, who's fighting for his job. Now, my thing is that that's a smart trade of Puligarvi and going to the three board down, see Puligarvi and Pink going to St. Louis. But my thing is that I don't trust Peter Sorelli enough to make that deal and not make it a one for one or, or goof in that trade. Like, you, you've seen before. We're talking about the top four, the four of the future, the guys you want to keep. He's traded before and gotten back lesser assets. So I'm really concerned about Peter making that deal. I wouldn't want to make that deal until Shirley is gone, whatever that does happen in Edmonton. So let me ask you this then. Would you be opposed, if you're, you're talking Shirley one for one here, would you be okay Darnell Merce for Colton Barranco? Mm, I don't mind it. It's not a bad trade, but I don't know, again, does Peter do that? Does Peter make that trade that, to us, will be simple to make? For me... In all aspects here, whether it's Nurse or whether it's Talbot, Bowie Arby, and a pick, I think this makes the Edmonton Oilers better. We've been looking for a defenseman. Let's not kid ourselves here, folks. We've been looking for a D-man since Chris Pronger. 2006. You're not wrong. 2006. Okay, that's a long time. Without a number one guy. And I think Colt Branco really fills that void and, and really shores up the eventual struggles. I think the offense really uh, speaks for itself. I don't think missing Pugliarvi is, is is going to cripple this team. I think um, you'll have assets to, to band-aid fix that, at least that hole, for the time being. But again, you got to give up something to get something. And uh, for me, Colt Branco is the great asset that the Oilers need. And Hey, look at that. The last, who's the last one to wear number 55 in Edmonton? Eager Rule now. Our, our good friend, yes. Joe, uh, Ben Eager. No, Ben Eager Ward. Oh, ben, ben, yeah, ben Eager. Ben Eager. That's right, Ben Eager. Ben Eager Ward, yes. But uh, <laughs> the great, the one of the, well, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Igor Larianov. Or not Igor Larianov. Igor Sorry. Igor Ulanov. Larianov would have been good, too. Um, in Edmonton. Sure. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it happens. Uh, whether it happens under Shirelli or under somebody else, I think it gets done. Uh, this is something they can't at least try to do. They need a fix, and it's staring them right in the face, especially with a guy, um, especially the guy like Colt Barreco, and, and he's going to come at relatively cheap because the Blues are rebuilding. Yeah. Um, so, what? like I said again, what better time to do it than now? And also, too, uh, the Blues have said, Doug Armstrong has said that everybody in the Blues roster is available. 
going from a Perenko, going from a Tarasenko. Now, I wonder, if you do try and get a Tarasenko, where is he going in that Oilers um, top six? I mean, cause that's a guy we'd love to have playing with Connor, but that top one has been drooling right now. Yeah, Barry, I, I'm just reading this. Absolutely. He is a number one guy in Edmonton. This is this is a guy, you mentioned, number two in St. Louis. This right away, instantly, you insert him in the lineup, he is a, he is a bona fide number one guy in Edmonton. That is the guy you can rely on. That's a guy he has got a hell of a shot, and he's physical. It checks all the boxes the Oilers need for now, and... I think you put him alongside. We we talked about this. We we, we talked about this uh, today at the office, Barry. But right now you put him be, beside Darnell Nurse until Clefbaum gets back. When Clefbaum's back and healthy, that's Clefbaum's guy. And then I think obviously Andre Sekera. Whether now that that could be another story. Does Andre Sekera slide down and play with Darnell Nurse, or do you have maybe Nurse Pareko and Clefbaum? Sekura, I mean, he's still in your top four then at that point. Um, but but obviously, as you mentioned, extremely rare. Um, we haven't seen that. And I, I talked about this. I don't know if you're just tuning in or, or not. But I, I just mentioned we had not had a number one since Chris Pronger in 06 with the run. And you got to look at that defense score. Uh, Pronger, spot check. Yeah. Um, you, and you go you go on down the list, but that was a one-two punch in Edmonton with Spachek and Prongo. Yeah. So your new your new one-two punch in Edmonton could very well be Colton Pareko and Oscar Kleppbaum, and uh, and that that could be a, a, a fearful dynamic duo on the blue line. It could be, but it's not very common. As Barry says, you haven't as Barry says, you haven't had a team with two number one since the Ducks in 07 had Scott Niedermeyer and Chris Pronger. And that was scary in itself when they just rolled through Ottawa in that postseason in 06-07. But, yeah, it's not happened. Because, what, that's now, what, 12 years since we had a team with both? It's not a comment at all. Now, what, what do you think of this comment? Barry doesn't believe he's a number one D-man. Um, listen, he's not a number one D-man anywhere else. Uh, and, and that's what I'm trying to say. He's a number two in St. Louis, yes, outside of Petrolandro. I Absolutely, I get it. But Ottawa. Ottawa, he could be a number one guy. Edmonton doesn't have Oscar Kleppbaum anywhere other than Edmonton is not a number one guy. He's a number two, not a number one guy. So for me, this correct me if I'm wrong, Avery. I believe I hold Pareko up here. Pareko is a very good defenseman, a great puck mover. Again, I, I'll mention again, physical, puck moving. And a cannon for a shot, and uh, for me, he's the number one guy. But what, what do you say? I mean, is is he not a number one defenseman? Is he is he not in that category of 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 a, not an elite, but a a, a very top uh, defenseman in this league? He's among the elite. I think in Edmonton, he's number one. I think in Ottawa, he's number one. I would even say you put him in, say New York Rangers, he's number one D man uh, at MSG. Yeah. But yeah, it's not very many teams because most of these teams already have number one D-man. But yeah, I think in Edmonton, the Rangers, Ottawa, he is the number one defenseman for sure. Hell, you can even throw him in Toronto even, and he'd be very close um, with Morgan Riley, Jake Gardner, obviously. I, I I would argue that he could possibly even take Jake Gardner's spot on the top line with Morgan Riley. Yeah, if possibly. If you ended in, in Toronto, right? So, 
Um, it's going to be a very interesting uh, trade deadline. We talked about this. Peter Ferrelli needs to save his ass. He does. Um, so this is – if you're going to make a move, this is the time to make a splash, to leave your mark on this team. We, we understand that if the Oilers don't make a deep playoff run, uh, PC is, is likely gone. We talked about this over dinner, Avery. Um, so so he's got to do everything he can uh, to make this thing work. No, he has to because uh, Bob Nicholson said, which he basically had to say that if Peter – listen, Nicholson wasn't going to say, oh, yeah, Peter's fired. Of course he's going to say that if they make the playoff here, then Peter stays. But I think, to me, like make the playoffs, great. You get swept – not good enough. You have to make an impact. Because, again, you're in year four of Connor, and you've won one playoff round. It's not good enough. See, Barry, I'm not sure I agree with you here. We can get in an argument. We can go back and forth. I think Pareko is the number one guy. The minutes he plays, he's a power. He could be a, a quarterback on that power play. He, he's And I mentioned all the above before, the hard shot, the – the skating abilities for a big man is incredible. His skating ability is almost next to none. Obviously not Connor McDavid ability, but he's up there, especially for a big defenseman. Um, he's saying, Avery, that he's not. he doesn't feel Pareko is a number one defenseman. Now, do you – is there is there some logic – like, do you understand this or, or, or am I just reading between the lines here? Barry to an extent, like on all, most teams, you already have the number one guy. Most teams already have the number one guy. He's a good. On other teams, he will be the great defenseman. But I think on a team that's struggling, he can be the elite D man on an Ottawa or on a New York. Where he, you know who he reminds me of. Sorry. Go ahead. He reminds me a lot. Very similar, not quite. Um, again, different game, different era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot like Scott Stevens. He. I, there's just, I don't know. There, there, there's a lot of, to me, there's a lot of comparables there. Um, I, I think he's obviously bigger, a little bit bigger. A little than, bit bigger, yeah. Than bigger. Scott Stevens. Not as physical as Scott Stevens. No. I think the skating is there. Again, the, the, the moving ability of the puck is there. Um, so, again, not quite there, but that's who I would I would put him in, in as two comparables with, uh, especially if we're comparing – you know, back in the area. Is there any comparable for you? I wouldn't. I'm gonna think right now. Hmm. Fair question. I'm trying to think who you can remind me of in terms of skating ability. That's like that's a really good one. I'm trying to think. But you look. I'm talking my head right now. Like right now, like, I'm, I'm thinking about it a little bit more. But I wouldn't say Scott Stevens. Scott Stevens was six foot three, but Frank was six six to uh, two twenty five, two thirty. And dude. he's a little bit. Uh, and his game a little, little bit more, a little bit more polishing offensive end than Scott Stevens was. I think. You know, I, I'm looking at. We talked about this today again, Barry. We, like, there's a couple options here that you can look at St. Louis. Paranko, obviously the the obvious choice. Do you look at the Philadelphia? I is Philly willing at the right price to part with to part ways with an Ivan Provorov? Are are they willing to do that? Are they are they willing to uh, possibly hit up the Chicago Blackhawks? Are the Oilers willing now to potentially go down the road of a Brent Seabrook? Are they Duncan Keith? Because they, obviously, I, for me, in my eyes, I don't know about you, Avery, mm-hmm. I think their time in Chicago is pretty well done. Um, 
but that's more of a rebuilding team. But again, at what cost? Right, exactly. I do agree that Chicago right now is in they're starting a rebuild. That team is one of the worst teams in the league, and it it came and it came quick. They went from being a playoff team to being 31st in the NHL. That was like a quick move, and I think you'll see stamp moments that shipping guys out left, right, and center. But yeah, there they would be a chance there for everything to look at a maybe a Duncan Keith or a Brent Seabrook, but you can't be sacrificing that for a Ryan Nugent Hopkins. You can't do that. Uh, no, for me right now, Ryan Nugent Hopkins doesn't go anywhere. Um, he's been arguably one of the best, if not the best, Oilers right now. Um, obviously, outside Connor, of course. Um, any trade discussions that involve the news right now, I would shut completely down. It doesn't even start with 93. I think that's a guy you want to hold on to. I think that's a guy you want to build around. Um, and, and to me, it's not the right move to try and move on from Ryan Newman Hopkins. And, and, and very sorry, I'm just reading your comment. I, I understand it. I, I get it. He's not an Eric Carlson. He's not. You're, you're right. There are 10 to 12 true number ones. Eric Carlson being one of them. Um, but I, I just, I feel he's in that discussion. I feel he's, I feel he is, and he can be, and he will be a top guy in, in this league. No, I do agree with that. And you know what? I got to admit, going from, from the roster to the game, and one of the big things we've seen over the past couple of years, Brad, is Carl McDavid and also Austin Matthews, Johnny Goudreau, all the young guys are getting hacked and whacked and mm. just abused. And Kanichkov expressed his um, disdain for seeing how basically he's basically being mauled. And you know what? Can make it fine, but he made a really good point in that this is a league where you want to be stars flourish, but you have you gotta be hacked and whacked, they can't do their thing. And the NHL gives a lot more leeway to the guys who are not star players, but yet they restrict their stars by not calling penalties. It's silly. See. Hold on. Hold on. I can't get fined for this, so I'm going to say. There are like three bright mice with canes on the ice. <laughs> I swear to God. How do you not? I can watch it. I can see it on my TV in my goddamn bedroom. Erica Branson absolutely draped. Antoine Marcel absolutely draped over 97. The, impeding him the ability to get a shot off, in, impeding him to 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 get a to to go in the corners or to make that pass. Listen, listen, and and we we see Rob, my cousin, is now on. He's a Canucks <laughs> fan, so I apologize for this. But look, Gabranson and Roussel aren't even in the discussion of Connor McDavid's level. These are two guys. Clearly doing their job. Mm -hmm. Clearly. These are two fourth-line grinders, fourth-line shit disturbers, whatever you want to call it. I would have thrown Milan Lucic out there with Conor McDavid. And I would have ripped somebody's head off. I would have went after Gabranson. I would have went after Roussel. And I would have made a statement. Hell, I would even throw Cassian out there with 97. Because you, you, know, you know for sure, you know damn well... Chason's not getting involved, and Drysaw's not getting involved. Darnell Nurse could have gotten involved, but you, you gotta you gotta throw some meat on that line. It's only if it's for a shift, only if even if it's just for one shift. Throw some meat out there 
and you grab Lucic by the collar, you grab Cassian by the face mask, or whatever you gotta do, like the like the Mighty Ducks movie, those the Bash Brothers, you grab both of them, put them in between 97, and say, you know what to do, this is your job, go do it. Well, you could do that, but here's the one thing, though, is that as much as the guys are harassing Carter, it, it's, uh, here's the problem, though. It's not, it's not against the rules. That's it. Like, no one is calling it. Like, that, Carter was not being cheap-shotted. There. That's no. the problem, though. Carter was not he was being held, yes, but he wasn't being cheap-shotted. That's the one thing, though. You don't really want... You don't really want but still, you got to set that... you got to make that statement that, look, I don't care if you're holding my guy. I don't care if you're slashing my guy. I don't care if you're spearing him. I don't care if you're headhunting him. I don't care if you're just asking him how his day's going. Roussel and Gabranson don't belong in the same breath as Carter McDavid. They don't. So, when, when you're Lucic, when you're, ca- you're paid to do and you're paid for a certain role, and I, I, I get it from a Canucks standpoint, I get it. I get the whole Roussel thing and, and whatever. But if you're Lucic, cast it again, go do your job. Hey, look, Lucic. Six million dollars we're paying you. Six million. You got one goal. Go out there and do something else. And hell, he had a career high in hits last night, but it wasn't involving McDavid. So instead of going out there and targeting other Canuck players, targeting Elias Patterson, I would have did that. You want to drape all over Connor? I would have rode Elias Patterson all day but or like I said, or you go out there, you drop the gloves of Roussel, you put Roussel in the box for five minutes, that's what you do, and and McDavid's still on the ice. Lucci, yeah, sure, Lucci's in the box for, for five minutes, whatever. But then Connor's still on the ice, he's got more room now to do his thing, and let him go. And we know what Connor does with the pop. And, and I think Rob, a good point Rob made, you're right there, Rob. The Sedins, when they came to the NHL, Henrik and Daniel got just absolutely abused. Really good points. A really great point. They did, yeah. Sedin got mauled. And, of course, it even fits the Brian Burke quote from, what was it, 2001, where he said, um, Sedin is not Swedish for hack, for hack, for hack and slash me. And <laughs> the court, I remember it? that. What was it, the 01 or was the 02 playoffs against Detroit, when they were just getting absolutely destroyed. And that was a mess. But you know what? Yeah, but... It's silly. To me, the league has to really, the league as a whole, has to go in and do something because it's embarrassing. Look, look at what, look a couple of years ago. Johnny Goudreau against Minnesota. He whacked oh, in the hand. What was it? Yeah. A good 10 times. Oh, another bad whack. Broke his hand. Like, you cannot have your star players missing games. The officials of the league have to do something about this. And honestly, it's a different game. It's a different, we need, look. You look at the ratings would drop if there's no Connor with David. Yeah. If, if McDavid's out for six months, there's no there the ratings drop. If Crosby's out six months, the ratings drop. Mm-hmm. Ovechkin's out six months to even a couple weeks, the ratings drop. You need these guys in the game. So as officials, you gotta protect. Look, Rob, Elias Pedersen's out for six months or six weeks. What are the Canucks do? So you gotta you gotta set something. The league has to look at this because it's a different game. Yeah. You gotta protect these stars. 
you got to protect them for the for the safety and for the good of the game. Yeah, and the NHL, for whatever reason, still does not get the fact that these guys are your money makers. This is your future right here. You can't have a McDavid or a Pedersen or a Line a getting abused night in, night out because on the national level, they want to watch what Patrick Line does. They don't want to watch, and no, no, offense, no, no offense to any guys who are grinders, no offense to the Antonio Roussels, or no offense to the Austin Watsons. The national public do not want to watch those guys play. They came to watch the Crosby, the Davids, the Pedersons, the Lineys, the, the Matthews, the Marners. There's your money. Plain and simple, there's your money. Uh, Rob, you're, you're absolutely correct. They need to stick to the book. Um, the refs just got to call it, man. I, I don't care if it's Roussel or you're calling Matthew Kachuk or, or you're calling a Mitch Farner play on Conor McDavid. You call it the same way. And uh, so they, they got to look at that for sure. Definitely. And I see, Rob, you're playing for number one draft pick. <laughs> Are you saying you want your boys to play for the number one draft pick, Rob? You want you want Quinn, you want Quinn Hughes, you want Jack Hughes, eh? To play with Quinn. <laughs> hey, you got you got one half of the Hughes brothers. Quinn Hughes is there. You know what? He's going to be a very, very good uh, prospect in Vancouver. Uh, um, would that be something? Mm-hmm. Jack, Quinn Hughes, and Elias Pedersen uh, alongside a Brock Besser. And Bo Horvat. That's a that's a bright future in Vancouver. I'd be I'd be very excited if I was a uh, a Canucks fan right now. And and um, these are these are just hey, the Oilers fans went through this, so <laughs> you got to go through it as well. Oh my gosh, Barry! That friggin' that no, don't get me started on that Barry. The fact that it's possible to a player, and this is Barry's all talking about um when after the shootout when the Oilers beat Florida last year. I'm sorry, not the Ford last year. What did he beat? It was a game. They went to a shootout and a golden count. Was it against Calgary? It was a golden count last year, and it was a big thing. I, I can't count. remember. I can't remember who. Either very, very. If you know who it is, just uh, either. Yeah. Either way, I mean, David, the Connor scored. The clear goal was called back, and Connor scores in the shootout, and he points to the scoreboard and and points to the scoreboard and yelled at Steve Kazari, um, count that. Does that one count? And got a game misconduct after the game was over. Stupid! The game is over. How do you still get a penalty for a game as con when the game's over? Doesn't make sense. Look, let it go. Like the officials gotta let it go. That's. Hey, sorry, I'm reading comments here. Uh, but yeah, just a boneheaded play, or not a boneheaded play, just a. I, I don't know what the the statement the official was trying feelings. to make. Oh no, um, the kid show me up. You know I, what you said something about your wife or your girlfriend or your mother. Like the game's over, it's done with. Move on. He was frustrated. We were all frustrated. I remember that. Um, it, it, quit bitching. Like plain and simple. It just, just it's Connor McDavid. If are you going to treat McDavid the same way if that was Wayne Simmons, for example, mm-hmm. okay, or, or Sidney Crosby or, or an Antoine Roussel or an Eric Branson or whatever? Right. Does that get the same treatment? Does Does Antoine Roussel get the same treatment as Conor McDavid? Absolutely not. The official would let it slide. Oh, it's Antoine Roussel because that's just his game. That's the way he plays. 
that oh he's just a he's an agitator. He opened his mouth again. What else is new? Because he does that five to ten times a game. But Connor McDavid speaks up for himself, stands his ground, and you give him a ten minute game misconduct. Get out of here. In in a shootout. In a shootout. Get out of here. Like honestly, to me, if I'm league and what the league should have if if I was in charge of discipline with the officials, I'd have called Steve Kazari and said, Steve, you're fined five grand. Do it again, you spend for a week. Do it again, you demoted to HL for a month. Hey Gary. Gary Batman message to you. I wanna be in charge of your officiating. Honestly, I would have fined Kazari and said, You're fined five grand. You do it again, it's ten or a week suspension. Like you're not gonna do it to Carmen David, I'm sorry. Well, can I, I'm not sitting here just wow picking on like because I'm I, I'm in Edmonton and I root for the Oilers and it happens anywhere. Johnny Goodrow or in Calgary or Elias Pedersen in Vancouver or Sidney Crosby or Alexander Ovechkin or any other great player in this league. If they would have did that, they wouldn't have done that. Sidney Crosby. It's yeah, no. yeah, because it's Sidney Crosby. And the problem is, is that. I think I can't. It might have been Terry Jones who made a comment saying, "What if the Oilers on jumbotron one game put a video during an admission that showed all the bad calls officials have made over the past month? And the Oilers would get zero calls if they did that. As as cathartic as cathartic as that would be to do, McConnor could get free and put through a table and play would continue to do that. But hey, <laughs> bright side here, and nobody wants Oli. Actually, you know what? Oli Levy. Oli uh, Levy. Yeah, actually, he's good. There, there will be a team that I think takes a chance on him. Um, and there, there you go. Barry, Barry makes a point again on, on the appreciated. Steve Kazarian still uh, be a Steve little Kizari bit. Steve Winnipeg and Vancouver, or uh, yeah, um, they, they just gotta get under control. Point and simple, you're, you're hurting the image. You're hurting the game. Is all you're doing. Um, so, well, let's just hope it, it gets. It gets better before it gets any worse, and uh, and move on and go from there. Like these guys gotta realize, he's helping your pockets too as well, Carmen David. Mm-hmm. He's getting you fed too. That's what people don't get. Like he's helping everybody eat in this league. Well, it's simple. You know what? Prime example. I took a, I took a buddy of mine to to the last game on Friday. He's a Habs fan. A Habs fan. He cheers for Montreal, and he couldn't believe. The speed, the agility, and the game, 97 plays. Mm-hmm. Absolutely incredible. Everybody from across this nation, North America-wide, appreciates 97. Yeah. What he does for the game is absolutely incredible. And we're just thankful he's in Edmonton and not somewhere else. No, of course. And it's funny because people have always said, where this Willis team be if they didn't get Carter McDavid? And you know what? It, I know what? It'll been tough. You know, sure. And they might, yeah. they might, and I think that team drops with Mitch Marner as well. Mm. The Oilers led the world of Mitch Marner. I don't know where they would be. I mean, sure, they probably would still be. It'd be okay. They might, they might compete for the last second wild card, but they would not be anywhere near where they are right now. Uh, I, I do want to move on, but I, I, yeah, I, want, I want to mention something quickly. Yes, go ahead. I want to talk about Ken Hitchcock for a minute and the effect Ken Hitchcock has had on this team. They are nine, two, and two. Yes, they are in the run with Ken Hitchcock. Nine, two, and two. They are one of the best teams in the NHL right now in the month of since November of 27th. 
Since Ken and Scott took over, as an entire team, they're 8 1 and 2. So they've been killing it with Hitchcock. In 9 charge. 2 and 2 under Ken Hitchcock. They're on quite the roll. Them and Calgary both competing. Uh, Calgary just continues to win. Uh, it looks like Mike Smith seems to have found his game. Uh, Riddick, of course, uh, that, that uh, goaltending tandem uh, seems to be very well. Of course, Matthew Kachuk, uh, the latest beatdown, the 7 2 of the singles blues, mm. are in town tomorrow. Um, but, man, uh, hey, we talked about this, man. The Edmonton Oilers, they look like a playoff team right now. Right now. And, and let, me, yes. let me ask you this, though. This is a team that's winning without Sekra and without Kleppa. Mm-hmm. You add both of those together, bring them back. What does this do? What does this do to your team? No, for the confidence and morale, it's even better. And you get two quality D men back in your back end. That's even better for a deeper playoff run. And, and then oh, and Rob, I mean, nine, three, oh, nine, three and two. Sorry, now. sorry, Rob. Nine, three and two. Still, still better than the opposite of that. Two, three and and. Uh, <laughs> or, or three nine and two or something, and then completely better. Um, I'll, I'll take that all day long, considering the the decade of of fears or the, the decades of heartbreak we had. Decade of darkness. Uh, decade of darkness, as we call it here in Edmonton. Um, but man, what what a, what a stretch! Uh, what what a stretch yours have been on, and mm. uh, we mentioned Vancouver going through it now. They, I think they're going to go through. I, I don't know quite if it's going to be a decade of darkness. Uh, it's going to be some time of darkness. Um, Jacob Markstrom seems to be keeping them in a lot of games uh, early on. Of course, uh, everything seems to be going through Elias Pedersen, um, which is which is great. He's, he's Vancouver's version of Connor McDavid, it seems like. and uh, he's, he's going to be an unbelievable... Uh, <laughs> Barry, you making fun of me? Come on. Remember, we don't need to be good at math to do anything. So I'm okay, right? Just got by. And we're, we're good now. <laughs> um, but no, uh, one, one last thing on Ken Hitchcock. Um, and I want you guys' input as well. If this team makes the playoffs, I believe Ken Hitchcock stays. I, I think what this shows to the Oilers and the Oilers brass is – the Oilers responded to Ken Hitchcock, and they didn't respond negatively. They responded the right way. They responded the way they should have responded under Todd McClellan. It didn't obviously work out. I believe Todd is a great coach. He's going to land on the speed somewhere. He just lost the room. So if Ken Hitchcock, and, and I think they need some familiarity back, so if they make the playoffs and they go on a run, I think Ken Hitchcock stayed for one more year. I agree. I think the team asked. I think the team would ask Hitchcock, "Do you want to stay?" I think Ken. Paul, I don't. I don't. I don't want to go on here and say it's a guarantee he stays. But I think it's a very good chance he does stay if you ask him to stay. I do think that he he would want to coach one more year. And if he doesn't stay, I've said it before. I'll beat the drum again. If he doesn't want to stay, you go to the LA Kings and say, "Hey, hey, we got a, I heard you have Mar- Hey, there's Marco Sturm over there. We kind of want Marco. So, if Ken stays. Great. If wow. not, then there was Brassy to go over there and try to lure Marco Sturm over there. Wait, wait a second. You just brought up Marco Sturm. Yes, sir. As the next coach of the Edmonton. I, I bet I did. A younger coach. Look, wow. Look what he did with the German national program. 
over the past year and a half. This is a guy who likes to challenge Marco Sturm. Yeah, but you know what? I one thing I fear is there's still a stigma. Oh, a European head coach, can't, a European born and trained coach can't coach in the NHL. There's only been two who've coached in the NHL who are European born and trained. Wow. That was Avnilinka with Pittsburgh mm. and Alpo Sudhainen with the Blackhawks in the early 2000s. Both had very brief stints, and there was a lot of stigma back then of, oh, see, they failed European head coach in NHL. Well, I Cougar as well. well he's like, he's, 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 he's like, he wasn't European, that. but he coached yeah. in, in Europe. Yeah. Coached in Europe, though, but um, Sudhainen and Hilinka were both European born and European trained, which in NHL, we've been around 101 seasons, and we only had two European born and trained head coaches. Now, you bring up an interesting one, Rob, uh, Joe Quenville. I would love Joe Quenville, but the thing with Quenville is the money. Um, they're already they're, they're paying Todd McClellan still. Um, I, I just don't know if they want that much money on the books for coaches knowing. Mm-hmm. I, I, Quenville makes sense, but at what price and what cost? I, I see Quenville more of an established team. So, hey, I, I'm just throwing this out there. If Mike Sullivan gets fired in Pittsburgh, Joe Quenville, for me, is a perfect replacement with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I, I can see it happening, but we'll see. Remember, I, I, think, I don't think Quenville wants to coach again until next year. But then again, hey, Hitch was retired until this year. So, you know what? See, but the thing, happened. the thing with Hitch is... He landed his dream job in Edmonton. He did. He grew up in Edmonton or Fort Saskatchewan. He grew up cheering for the Oilers. He grew up kind of around the Oilers and around the Edmonton area. Um, so it just made perfect sense. If if any other team would have called Ken Hitchcock, I, I believe he would have remained remained uh, retired. Remained retired. But uh, I, I believe uh, this is a perfect fit for him, and, and it's proven to be. It has, yeah. I think, I think it all depends. I think when the season's done, the last camp he wants to go for one more year, he wants to go back to retirement. So we'll see what he says when the year is done, I think. And even one more thing, Joe Quenville, too. Uh, L.A. might make perfect sense as well. You know, Willie, Willie DeJargan only on the interim uh, interim tag. Mm-hmm. Um, very familiar with him, Rob, in Vancouver. Um, but I, I think Joe Quenville makes sense there as well if he's willing to go to L.A. Again, there's... There's pressure there, and there's pressure everywhere you go. Of course there is. But uh, I think there's a little less pressure in Pittsburgh because they have the talent they do. Because of Sid, because of of, of, uh, of Gino, it just it relieves the pressure a little bit. As a coach, it makes your job that much easier because you have two superstars alongside you. No, of course. In Pittsburgh, that's a team where you just plug and play guys anywhere in that roster, and that's a team that is still going to be – when he first in the Eastern Conference, because remember last year, Pittsburgh, what was it? A couple of years ago, Pittsburgh was near the ball in the Eastern Conference. They came back to what? Make it to the Cup, make it to the Cup Finals and beat San Jose. So don't ever count Pittsburgh. Don't ever not count the Pittsburgh Penguins as long as Malkin's there, as long as Crosby's there, as long as Otang is there, as long as Gensel's there, as long as Kessel's there. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, you plug anybody in there, and, and they're still a very dangerous team. Now let's move on. Um, where, where do you want to go next? We can go lots of different areas. Oh, we can go NFL. Talk about what's sure. happening that week. Sure. Um, I'm still a little heartbroken. The Broncos lost to the. To the wait, 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 wait a sec. They lost to the. <coughs> the Cleveland 
Browns. Bad speaking of coaches, Ben Joseph, you need to be fired. Even the hot seat for sure. Cleveland Browns? <laughs> are you kidding me? John Elway, where are you, man? I I wait a minute, we wait wait a sec. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Sam Brazler's phone. Brazler's phone. Wait, wait, wait. John, John, yeah, I want to coach. Put me oh in. My. Vance Joseph and get the job done because we lost to the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. Are you sure out of flying. your mind? Pretty sure it's been flying right now to Brad's mouth. What are you doing? How? Why? The Cleveland Browns? Oh my good god. <laughs> my heart will never heal from that. I, uh, you know, and we look at your Green Bay Packers. Man, they aren't any better right now. The Cleveland, uh, oh, they're Green done. Packers. They're done as the well. The Bears finished them off, and this horrible season has come to an end for Green Bay. Thank goodness. I, I want to talk to you one sec about the Patriots. Second week in a row, they lost. Yeah. Um, they lose to the Dolphins on a crazy play last week. And then uh, remind me who they lost to this week, Avery. Pittsburgh Steelers. And again, them off. Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, man, that, that's another team that's going to be in trouble. I think Tom Brady um, and the Patriots are going to be in trouble for a long time coming. This is a team where I think I think the days of Belichick and Brady are coming to an end when this season concludes. And I think, if, I think either Belichick retires or Brady moves on and oh, – I mean, Brady moves on, and there's a team that will need a quarterback if Alex Smith is not good to go for 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, if Alex Smith cannot start 2019, the new quarterback in Washington will be Thomas Brady Jr. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tom Brady in another uniform? I think it'll happen. Oh, my word. Wow, you heard that here first. I never even imagined uh, Tom Brady would even think about doing that. I think he retires as a Patriot. I think him and Belichick both retire at the same time. Um, but early on, I want to do this real quick. Early, I want your, I guess, your late season Super Bowl predictions. Uh, let me let me tell you, Avery. I have you're gonna you're gonna switch in me. I think. I have the LA Chargers going all the way. I think Philip Rivers. I think it's his time. Uh, I, I think the Chargers get it done. Well, you know what? Moving up, Brad. I have the Chargers in there as well too. Okay. Playing the LA Rams, yeah. and the LA Rams take it. Wow. The Rams now, and the Rams now, my bandwagon team, the rest of the way. And to quote Eric Dickerson. In the in the in, in the nineteen eighties mini music video Ramit, which Ram shocked in the Coliseum. Ramit, everybody, Ramit, so we're walking LA. Oh Jesus! Don't scare Ramit. Don't scare the everybody, Ramit. Let's Ramit. We want. So we're rocking LA. We're rocking today. Let's Ramit. We want to stay on air. That's gonna get us shut down. Jared Goff won the title this year. Oh my goodness! You heard it first. Jared Goff won the MVP. Rob and Barry might just have like, what the hell am I watching? (laughs) I don't even know what I just saw. But anyway, um, (laughs) I do also have the Rams. 
in the final, and then I have the Chargers beating them. So they're both calling LSU all LSU. Um, wouldn't that be crazy? Hey, you know who I'm calling if that happens? Mr. Luke. And we're going. Uh, we're going to Atlanta? We're, we're going to Atlanta. And we're going to watch an all-LA Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, with my with my strings I pull, I think uh, I think you might see the Brad Avery Hour in Atlanta. Well, I think you better call Luke right now because I'm sure Luke has more than one person asking for tickets if that does happen. Yeah, but who's his favorite? Come on. <laughs> Come on. I'm his favorite son. Can we tell the joke about – can we tell the joke on here about what – Luke, that when he first met me in Toronto at all the introductions. Can you tell that joke? Go ahead. <laughs> I, I'm sure Barry and Rob want to hear all, all about right, this. All right, so those of you who – if you know the podcast, of course, you know also Luke grew with Ty. But Luke has not met me yet. So in the whole theme inductions, Luke was there, and Luke came late to the red carpet. And it was almost time to go in for the ceremony. I'm thinking, shoot, I'm not going to get in chance to meet Luke. Who do I see on the red carpet? Running! Down past the carpet. And I go, Luke, Luke, Luke. He goes, where's the girl side? He goes, how you doing, bud? Runs past me. go, Luke, it's here from the Brad Neighbor Hour. And Luke Robitaille, as he's running, yeah. to the Escalade, to go into the Hall of Fame ceremony. Stops, turns on a dime, and chuckles when he's walking towards him. When he realizes, oh, oh, oh Brad's Avery. He <laughs> realized that. And yeah. funny enough, when you were in L.A., Luke told you, and Luke, you laugh at this too. I, I gotta say it, Luke. I gotta say it on air, Luke. Luke didn't know I was black. <laughs> oh my god. I can't think so, that, that actually happened, but I'm not even making this up. I can't make this stuff up. Uh, hey, man, we love Luke, and uh, thank you for, for all he does for not only my family, but, uh, but you know, taking care of Avery as well, mm. and, and what he's done for this podcast, and he's He's going to be on very, very soon. I can guarantee you that. That, that is one thing I can guarantee you, is Luke Robitaille being on the show before we fold this show up. Luke Robitaille will be on the show. And, uh, and heck, he might be even in studio. Hopefully. We're, we're gonna, I think we're going to make that happen when the, the Kings come to town. Maybe we'll hold that off then until the Kings come next year. And uh, and and. Then he'll be in studio. I see Rob saying, ask for Rob Blake, too. Rob we Blake as well. We can't get greedy now, Rob. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I met uh, met Blake a few times, and just uh, I, another humble and gracious uh, <laughs> gracious guy. That whole organization is fantastic. And Great to hear. It goes from uh, from Billy Radford, even, uh, going coach, former Edmonton Oilers. Um, just trying to I, – I even got to give it up to John Stevens, who was gracious enough to, to give me his time and – and uh, and just a wonderful man, and we, we I hope he lands on his feet as well somewhere. That'd be great to see. It'd be awesome to see you. You never know. Maybe we could do the podcast with Luke in Los Angeles. You never know. There you go. Hey, Luke, if you're listening, uh, it's time, bud. Let's let's go out there again. Let's do it. I just got back, but let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I love you. And I, I want to say, I, I know I got mentioned though with the football. I don't know if you saw the video or not um, from the Rams game, Rams Philly game. Marcus Peters would be heckled by a fan. And Peters at the Coliseum, this fan is yelling, Peters, da, 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 you're a bunch of garbage. And Marcus Peters turns to the fan and goes, hey, where you from, homie? Now, here's the problem. If someone from Oakland tells, asks you where you from, homie, they might knock you out. So Marcus yeah, Peters, that, that's not going to end well. Marcus Peters leaves the bench, walks up the steps, 
tourist kind of thing in like the first or second row. And Joss basically calls about basically tells him, shut the hell up. And the fan goes quiet. Which to me I thought was hilarious because it kind of proves that, you know what? Play the people we, too. We gotta post that. Play the people too. Like we gotta post that video on our page. It's hilarious. Um, we will. It, it, it's funny to see. Uh, are we seeing it, Brian? Are you seeing the footage, Brian? No, I have not. I guess it's funny. It's funny seeing how like there are consequences when you run your mouth some days. Like sometimes players will get mad at you. You can't just run your mouth at well consequences. And you know what? Again, to trip an Oakland guy. Like Marcus Peters, yeah, it's not and I think he would not get mad at you for that when he's within reach of you. Tread lightly, my friends. Be careful, especially if you're in Oakland. That's yeah, that's not uh, that's not pretty. Uh, so, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, that's well, Marcus Peters, man. Congratulations to you. That's a that's a bold move, and not many people would do. But uh, that that's awesome, man. Good Some job. fans need to be checked, though. Some fans need to be checked for the conduct, and, and that's what he did, right? Yeah, yeah and of course, I do mention that, of course, right now, Brad, in the NBA, uh, the two top teams in the con- in the conference, the Raptors, and the Denver Nuggets. Denver's still a host yeah. of the NBA right now, Brad. It's something else. That's right. Went into Denver, and that Jamal Murray-led team right now is going to be a scary team. People are still talking about what's going to happen in that Western Conference. Watch out for Denver, yo. They might shock some people a couple playoff time. Jamal Murray. And the Denver Nuggets, nonetheless. Uh, Canadian. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Denver Nuggets, man, they, they've had years of heartbreak, years of sorrow, years of misery, and finally they're good. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm, I, it's awesome to see teams like that that started really from nothing. They've been at the bottom for a long time and now come up and, and do some good stuff that, that, uh, that just gives kudos to management, kudos to coaches, kudos to, to all the mentors and all the teammates in that organization to make them make them good. Yeah, of course, it's funny because the Bucks as well, Milwaukee. Yeah, the Pacers. Like that is a conference where right now this is the most wide open the NBA's been in a very long time. I love it, right? I love that. It's fantastic. You don't just have the Golden State Warriors dominating anymore, or the Cleveland Cavaliers dominating anymore. Or, you know, the Raptors have fallen down to earth a little bit now, and they're still 20 and 9 nonetheless. They're 23 and 9, so. 23 and 9, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, Nuggets are 20 and 9, and the Warriors are 20 and 10. And OKC is 19 and 10. It's like, oh, and OKC started off poor. Like, the Thunder struggled earlier this year, Brad. They did. And uh, that that's another thing. Uh, Paul George might not be there at the end of the year. That's another team that's. That's going to go through a transition period. You look at Kevin Durant at Golden State. I don't think he'll be there. Um, wouldn't that be cool to see him in Toronto? I grew up a Raptors fan. You did. Um, so so wouldn't that be something to see KD throw on that 35 in Toronto on the 6, as they call it, and maybe Drake can lure him um, north of the border? You know, I still think, as much people, some people may laugh at that, though. You mentioned it last week, the influence of Drake. Drake's someone players like being around. And... People like being around a winning ball club. Toronto is the best team in the NBA right now. They're getting it done. If they can keep Kawhi, why not try and bring in KD if he wants out of Golden State? Why not do it? See, I think Kawhi stays. We talked about this. I think Kawhi stays. Um, I think he stays if they win a championship. I think he stays if they make it to the championship. 
And uh, this is a guy you can build around for years to come. No, he absolutely is. And, of course, going from – you know, watching NBA, it's funny how – you look at the rest of the NBA, and to an extent in Western Conference, everybody else is competitive. Yeah. But then you just see this giant drop-off with the Phoenix Suns at 7-24. and 24. Oh, my gosh. Steve Nash, where are you? You want to talk about Tina's Nash tanking. Yeah. The Suns became the first team since the shot clock was in the bronze NBA in 1954. To have back-to-back games where they went in the first quarter, didn't score 10 points. They had yeah. two first quarters of nine points. Which is crazy. Like, that's, no. that's what happened before the NBA in the modern era. Like, that, I understand. That is, if that's not blatant tanking for R.J. Barrett or Zion Williamson, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, and they, they instantly make you better. You look at Zion Williamson and... I mean, that that Duke team is going to go 1, 2, and 3, I believe, in the draft. Uh, or they, they have a very good chance to do so. Um, just a tremendous, tremendous athlete since Zion Williamson. And, He's a grown uh, man. RJ Barrett and another Canadian content there. Um, just incredible. Uh, look at Zion. The kid is 6'5", 280 pounds. He's a freshman in college! Like, that's the stuff. How? The boy ate his Wheaties, I'll tell you that much. How are you... I watched this kid dunk on these children in college, left-hand windmills, one-hand windmills, jumping the SWAT shots away. That is an NBA boy. That boy's NBA ready already. It's scary. And, and it's going to be a one-and-done type thing. For of course. Both, I think for all three of them, Zion and, and RJ, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. And Cam Reddish, too, as well. Um, I think he'll be one-and-done, too, as well. well yeah. um, but RJ Barrett, man. Um Either one of these kids, I, I think the other one goes to uh, Chicago. That's right. The and Bulls are a tire fire. On it looks like that. Atlanta as well too is awful. Um, the Knicks, the Knicks as well are in play as well too at nine twenty three. Yeah. See, and that's see at least in Phoenix you got some pieces to to build around. Mm-hmm. If you if you get Zion, if you get Andre Barrett, one of the two, you're not going to get both. Maybe they make a trade and they get both of those. Um, you got DeAndre Ayton as well. You just drafted number one overall last year. Yeah, Devin Booker's still there uh, in Phoenix. Booker's still there. So it's still a very good core you can build around. And, of course, you add that piece in either Zion or RJ. I don't think you can go wrong with either one of them. No. And uh, and it's a it's going to be a very bright future uh, in Phoenix for sure. I guess my last point, though, in the NBA is um, the fact that how the ownership with Phoenix and how Robert Sarver was rumored. I guess he told someone in the city council he's considering – which you denied, you considered if the Nobel of the New Arena moving the Suns to Seattle or Las Vegas. There is no way the NBA will ever lose the Phoenix market. That's a market the NBA will not let move out of the, to a new market. I, 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 wouldn't, I would not even want to see the Sonics return at, this, at the expense of the Suns. No, I don't want to see it happen. That is an NBA franchise with over 50 years of tradition. No, I don't want to see it happen. And the fact that he tried a fast one, allegedly, to threaten the citizens of Arizona, building the rear room and take away your franchise, come on now. Come on. Like, that was going to go over like a fart in church. Yeah, I, I just, no, it's not happening. Good luck with the scare tactics. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix, the, the, the NBA and the NHL both have a hard on for that. Um, so I don't see it moving anytime soon. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And uh, I do, though, transition quickly. I, yeah. I want to do this really fast. Go ahead. Uh, the the MLB. Mm-hmm. Um, the winter meetings just wrapped up. Yes. Two of the biggest free agents, I think, 
in MLB history, if not close. Uh, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado both going to get paid massive. Like they're going to back up brick trucks for both of these guys. Well, big brick truck for those guys. We we look at we're we're looking at upwards. I heard a rumor today of upwards of four hundred and seventy-five million dollars for Bryce Harper. That's disgusting. And close to two hundred eighty, three hundred thousand for Manny Machado. Uh, absolutely ridiculous money being thrown around. Yeah, um, it is. Look, where, where do you see these guys going? Um, the Yankees have already said they're out of play on Bryce Harper. That ain't happening. Mm-hmm. Um, they met with Machado today, so that could have some legs. They reached on Hap. The Blue Jays are out on both of them as well. But keep an eye, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, keep an eye on the Phillies. Phillies got some money to spend. That, yeah. And keep an eye on the White Sox. Um, Manny Machado's brother-in-law just got traded there, Yonder Alonso from the, from the Cleveland Indians. And maybe that's got some pull as well. Maybe they land, if not one, maybe both of them. There's some big money there. Now, if the White Sox pulled, I think the White Sox instantly become favorites in the AL Central. And that's a little random, though, hearing that Bryce Harper to the White Sox would be in play. But, you know, I, I, how do you not put the White Sox in one of the easy contenders to win that division now that you get Harper and Machado? Well, okay, and they retooled themselves in a big way. Um, they knew they knew this year was coming. Um you know, we, we all knew Bryce Harper's going to be a free agent. Manny Machado's going to be a free agent. The White Sox made room when they imported. Mm-hmm. When they, Chris Sale was gone. Yep. Adam Eaton was gone. You know, so on and so forth. Their, their core was gone. Um, so, Bryce Harper in the outfield. Manny Machado playing third. Good God. And then you put a... You put a Jose Abreu there still. Yeah, he's still there. You, you add that young core uh, alongside Von Nova, who just got traded there as well. Mm-hmm. This is a team that could be very good. And then on the flip side, you look at the Phillies, who in my mind are a little more advanced than the White Sox. They have some young talent there. Aaron Noah, um, you know. Reese Hawkins uh, is still Reece there. Reese Hawkins is there. Simon McCutcheon. McCutcheon's there. I think either Craig Kimbrell and Drew Miller, if not one of them, or both of them will end up there in the bullpen as well. Dallas Keiko could end up there. Um, just an incredible team. And then you add a guy like Bryce Harper, or you add a Manny Machado. To me, Machado makes more financial sense to add that third base in there. And, of course, Reese Hawkins can move over to first. Um, you added McCutcheon. Um, and then, of course, they not only did that, but they got they ended up getting rid of the contract of uh, Carlos Santana, uh, which was a you know a big feat. They traded him to St. Louis and uh, St. Louis over or Seattle, sorry, and Seattle over um, to Cleveland, mm-hmm. um, and then because Edwin Encarnacion ended up in Cleveland. Yes, he did. They told him to keep his backpack because he'll be on the move as well. Um, so lots of moving pieces there. You look at Cano and Diaz going to the Mets. Uh, the Mets are another team to look out for. I think if they don't trade Syndergaard, uh, I think they're the favorites to land JT Ramuto on the Miami Marlins. That's another guy to keep an eye on. Uh, this could be a very interesting year for teams coming up and finally making a play uh, and making a push for the playoffs. No, could also for agency. And also, my boy, uh, my, my my boy Joe Kelly Jr. signs a three-year deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's going home. The pride of Corona. Going back home. He's going back to the National League. This is a great fit for the Dodgers, too, right? The Dodgers spent more money than they wanted. Joe Kelly had a terrific playoff year. He struggled in the, he struggled in the season, though. 
He had a tumultuous struggles throughout the year. Playoffs, all of a sudden, it was a different Joe Kelly. Mm-hmm. It was a different game. Um, you look at Nathan Evolve, same thing. Evolve re- re-upped in Boston, thank God. Um, but, man, things are looking bleak, man. And like, you look at that, Toronto, uh, they just cut Torowitzki. I think the open mm-hmm. days are in on him. Uh, that could be a, a kind of a decent sign there. Um, but the Blue Jays got some talent in Shannon and Guerrero coming. So the Jays could be very good, too, the next few years as well. Yeah, we definitely will see what happens. I guess I, I quickly wrap, wrap things up with a little bit of wrestling. I know you're watching on PLC. And, you know, I'm I'm finally glad this whole Baron Corbin as GM nonsense ended with Baron with um, Marshall beating him. Because I don't know, like, the I was just... People said, oh, Corbin's so bad, it's funny. No, it was so bad, it was bad. I didn't even care anymore to see Baron Corbin on my TV anymore. Yeah, yeah, Baron, Baron Corbin's awful. Uh, good try, WWE. Good try, yeah. Monday Night Raw. Good try, Mr. Man. Um, now, apparently there was a... Vince came back tonight um, to discuss some things. I believe, I'm thinking that was the reason why. Um, they're talking about a shakeup. A roster shakeup. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Vince McMahon comes back into the picture in some capacity, wouldn't makes shock more me. frequent appearances on Raw. They need to up those ratings, and what better way than to put Vince McMahon back in uh, on TV? Well, you said social media. Whenever there is news that Vince could be back on Raw or back on SmackDown, ratings jump. People want to see Vince Mac back on their TV. And I don't think people are really. I don't think people are really enjoying anymore. Stephanie and Shane being the commissioners with. Um, with uh, Bear Corbin and Paige as your manager. I think people want to see back in the old days where Vince was around almost every week or every couple of weeks. But at 73 years old, there's going to become a time where Vince can't do anymore. We're seeing Vince pull back because I heard that Vince wasn't on camera as much because Vince said, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking old. I want to be on camera as much. But he may have to go back on camera more often to get his ready back up again, unfortunately. So I will read you this. I, I will let you watch one of your raw. But actually... Apparently, this went off script. Apparently, they had all the McMahons in the ring, mm-hmm. um, and he pro- they all promised a fresh start to Monday Night Raw in 2019. They're gonna reboot this thing and restart it, and hopefully get back uh, back the Monday Night Raw we're all used to seeing. Wait, now what? So now, I, I know what that means. A reboot. I wonder what that means. Now, hey, a reboot. You know what? If you want to be bold and reboot things, you know, if you want to be interesting, do what WCW did one time in, I think it was 2001. Do a real reboot and say, every title on Raw is not vacated. Think about that. A total vacation, every title on Raw. Every title is gone. Every title is stripped. A total reboot 2019. And you have tournaments for every single title on Raw. Ah. Uh, yeah, it's, sure. It's extreme, but why not? I, I, I would be. You, you need that. something. You need something. You need something interesting. You need something radical. I, I, I would watch. I would watch if it's a total reboot of all titles. I'd watch. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Um, you know what I think? I think Hulk Hogan is going to come back in some capacity as well. Does that boost ratings? I'm not sure. I don't. Um, uh, Lars Sullivan from NXT is going to come up. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, that could boost ratings. He's a monster. Uh, that could help Braun Strowman. Um, and then Braun Strowman and Brock, uh, you know, at, at uh, 
what pay per view is next. Sure. Is uh, the Rumble up next or no? Rumble. Rumble yeah, Rumble's next, yeah. Uh, for the championship. So. Yeah, that's correct. We'll see how that goes. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Let's wrap it up with a, a trivia question. Which no one answered. Come on, guys. It's a dinner at Holly's. We can't have this constant one week someone answers, one week someone doesn't answer. Gotta get an answer every single week. Right, so, true question. We know what we'll do? We'll, do, we'll, go, back to, we'll, we'll go back to Ken Hitchcock. Who did Ken Hitchcock's first NHL coaching win come against? What team did he beat his first ever coaching, his first ever gig as a head coach in NHL? And you know what? If you know Ken Hitchcock, you know we, 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 Dallas Stars. So, plain and simple. Who did Ken Hitchcock's first coaching win come against in the NHL? Tweet at Brad, tweet at me, Instagram us, Facebook us, Periscope us, Pigeon Carrier us, MySpace us, you know, AOL Online us, Hotmail us. You Are you on AOL Online still, Brad? Uh, Hotmail? AOL, AOL Online. Oh, AOL. no, no, no. I, I, <laughs> Either way. A lot of ways to contact us with the right answer for trivia question this week. Send it by FedEx. I don't care. Just somebody <laughs> answer the guy that question. Hey, you know what? We'll take we'll accept that. So anyway, episode 33 of the Brian Avery Hour. It is a wrap for the guy, for Brad Barco. Thank you, guys. We love you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. But we're going to see you before that. Yes, you will. We're going to see you potentially. Now, we're, we're going to wait. We're going to unveil this. December 24th, we'll see you. We might not be together, though. I, I might, uh, you know what I might do? I might join Facebook Live from my family dinner. Wouldn't that be cool? So, yeah. You see some turkey. You yeah, see some ham, some gifts, some beautiful family, and uh, and we'll, we'll do it. So, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays if we don't see y'all. But make sure. Oh, oh. uh-oh. There we go. Keep Keep going. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Make sure you keep following us for updates. We'll have it for you. See you the 24th next week, episode 34. Until then, I'm Brad Barco. And Avery Lewis McDougal, good night. Later.